Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. And I'm your host, John Siegley, talking today with EJ Wilson and Mike Ingersoll, the dynamic duo of linemen that Inside Carolina is fortunate to have. And really fortunate, actually, to have you guys this week more than most because, as everyone knows, the football team this year is in the middle of a pretty bad losing streak. They've shown some fight these last couple weeks, but just got worn down. Uh, EJ and Mike, both of you guys, when y'all were starting your careers at Carolina, I think, EJ, you said in 06, and then Mike, I think you started in actually as a starter in 07. If I'm wrong on that, let me know. But those were two rough years for Carolina. I mean, there's really no way to, sh- to sugarcoat that. Three and nine in 06, four and eight in 07. But I wanted to start this discussion off since you guys have been on the team when the team has struggled. To begin with, tell us, and EJ, I'll start with you since Mike always gets to talk on these things and uh, dominates the conversation. You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> We love you, Mike. BJ, I'm going to start with you, man. How does a losing streak impact the players on an individual basis? And then what does it do to you as a team? I'll say on an individual basis, it kind of it kind of lets you off the hook a little bit. I know just speaking for myself, uh, being a redshirt freshman in 06, just really coming from my standpoint, it kind of feels like it lets you off the hook a little bit because you see, and that, that was kind of the culture then, you see a lot of the guys kind of start to slack off as far as their discipline in the weight room, as far as making sure they're doing the things they need to do to be ready, make sure they do, need to do the things as far as class. It just became a, a real lax environment and it, it was nothing that was going to breed, breed any winning. So as a young player, it kind of made me slack off a little bit and as a team it can go it can go a couple different ways I think that it can build resiliency it can also bring you closer together I know for me and our our group of guys that came in with me and uh, Mike's the class that came in with Mike we kind of use it as like we don't want to ever feel this again so we need to do what we need to do in the offseason and right now and respond to this the right way and we kind of use that as a springboard to say hey coach we're here. We're ready to play. Uh, you see these older guys, they're kind of being lax. They're acting like they, they seem like they don't want to play. It's time for us to step up and, and show that we can really get the job done and just kind of start building on things for the future. And it, it kind of sounds sad or kind of might, might sound wrong looking on the out, from the outside, looking in, saying that you want to move on to next year. But I mean, that, that's really the attitude because at one point, I think we said we finished that year three and nine. I mean, at some point, you, you need to have a bright spot. You need something to look forward to. And all we have to look forward to is that the fact that we don't want to ever feel like this again, but it definitely brought us together closer as a family because, I mean, we really went through something. It was hard to kind of wake up every morning, go in, work out, condition, especially with the program that we had, and do everything you needed to do, go work hard and practice, pay attention and meet and study film. It's hard to do all that when you don't, when you get to a point where you just don't believe you can win. But I do think that that year kind of paid dividends for us because we knew that, Hey, we lose one game. You can't, you can't go on a pit after you lose one game. I mean, it's all about Hills and Valleys. The the character of a player is determined about how they are in their defeats. You can't have your head too high in wins and you can't hang your head too low in defeat. So I think that it is going to bring them closer together. It's going to help form a core because we didn't know who our core group of guys would have been if we had never went through that. It's the same guys that are working harder making themselves better in light of everything that's going on with losing and everything. So I just think you just got to find a positive spot and find something to work for. 
then Mike, same question to you, man. You redshirted the 06 year and then played during the 07. So how did it impact you? And then what did you see on the offensive side? Well, I'm going to start this off with, so the fans at home understand when we record these podcasts remotely, we use our laptops and some of us have profile pictures and others don't. For those of us who don't have a profile picture in our little uh, recording app that we use here to record these podcasts, it uses a, a GPS type of map to show where we are. That's our little profile picture. So mine is, you know, a Google map of Charlotte with Gastonia and some surrounding areas. EJ's, on the other hand, is Richmond, surrounded by Mechanicsville, Glen Allen, and Short Pump, Virginia. Now, I don't know who <laughs> named this place it's Short a very, Pump, Virginia. It's but, a very affluent area, man. But Seriously. thank you. Thank you for whoever you are, because that is the most hilarious town name I have ever seen in my life. Mike, when now, you came here on the election night, the bar we went to, that was a yep. short pump, so you're welcome. Oh well, some of the some 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 of the people that I saw in that bar belonged in Short Pump, Virginia. I can tell you that right now. But <laughs> I digress. John's question was, "What is it like? Essentially, what is it like going through that? Uh, what does it do to the players mentally? How does it affect our preparation? That sort of thing." You know, I think EJ pretty much summed it all up with, "You got to find a single." lone bright spot for my class when we came in in 06 we used just like ej said we used the three and nine season uh, with coach bunning in his last season we used that as a springboard just like ej said and i remember explicitly going around and us having conversations where the sentiment was we are not going to go through this anymore that was significant because 22 of us out of the 25 or 26 signees for that year, 22 of us all redshirted. So basically our entire, our entire class. And it was really difficult being guys out of high school. You know, at that time, that was one of the better recruiting classes that Carolina had had. You know, we were all two-way players in high school. We were all all-state players and all-conference players and Shrine Bowl members and things like that. A couple of us were all Americans. You know, it's hard to go from being the man to not playing at all, not even putting pads on as a freshman in college, it's even harder when you're, when you lose nine of the 12 games that you play and you come from, for the most, most of us come from winning programs, very successful high school programs. We needed that though. And in 07, we needed a four and eight season. Uh, there were guys, those, those freshmen, that freshman class, which was also outstanding. They needed that. There's a lot to be said for learning how to lose. You know, I, I've always, been a person when people ask me, you know, why don't I get so excited about winning? Because I never seem too excited after we win a game. My ad, and this isn't me being a hardo. This is just, it's just how how I am. Call me cynical, but I've never been that excited about winning. I, I get, I, I hate to lose more than I love to win, and the reason for that is that you prepare to win. You don't prepare to lose. So when when you win a game, when you win a rep, when you win a series you prepared to do that there's really nothing to celebrate that was just that was always the end goal so you just you did your job when you lose at that point there's something you have to evaluate so you have to learn how to lose and how to lose properly ej made the point that you can't hang your head too low in a loss and you can't hold it too high in a win 
And he's, he's absolutely right. Losing can become toxic if you allow it to. But if you use it as a learning experience, which I feel like our class did, and then the 07 class did, and EJ's class certainly did. That was a great group of seniors. That pays dividends in the end. No, we didn't win a national championship, and we weren't 13-0 and and playing in the Orange Bowl. You know, we, we weren't those things, but we were far more successful as a team than we had been when me and EJ came in. So you got to learn how to lose properly, and you got to try and find one bright spot. And my bright spot for this season, and, and I honestly, I, I truly, I mean, I buy into this. I mean, let's look at what we've got on the field. Don't look at what we don't have. Yeah, we've lost a few games, and we've been competitive in a couple and not so competitive in others. And we looked inept on, on offense right now, whereas the first two games we dropped 30-something points on people each game against Power 5 teams. One was against a Heisman Trophy winner. We have young guys getting experience right now that's going to pay dividends in the end. This isn't a lost season by any stretch of the imagination. So everybody wants to throw in the towel. Fan, you know, fan support is, is low right now, and, and, and it's understandable. But I remember a Carolina team not too long ago that won the last six games in the bowl game. And that season was pretty much over five weeks in. There's no telling what's going to happen with this group of guys. And, and in retrospect, you can say, well, look at how talented that Carolina team was. Obviously, I'm talking about the Belk Bowl team. Look at how talented that team was. Well, we, we know that now in retrospect. We didn't know that then. And if we have a similar result this year, we'll go back and say, oh, I knew it, you know, I knew it all along. Hindsight's 2020. I knew Surratt, and I knew these guys could get it done. I knew Ratliff Williams was the man. No, you didn't. But there's no telling what these guys might be able to pull off the rest of the season. So it's not yet a lost season. It's not, it's not a lost season until we have seven losses. But in the interim, pay attention to who we have on the field and some of the positives, which is a ton of guys getting a ton of experience. And it's only going to make them better moving forward because the only thing that gets you better, like I've preached over and over and over again, the only thing that gets you better as a football player is game reps. And we've got a ton of guys getting meaningful snaps and getting experience that they otherwise would have never got. So there's your silver lining for this season. It's also not a lost year yet. So I see a lot more positive than negative. And, and in a moment, John will prompt me to talk about the offensive line and, and we'll get there. I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of good there and, and, and we should address that. Now, before we get to the O-line, I wanted to run the second part of, of my questions to you guys is you both talked about what the losing streak can do to a player. But how do you, or is there even a way to pull out of that winning streak? Because in 06, you know, at one point Carolina was 1-7. and seven. And then to close that year off, we beat NC State, we beat Duke. Finished 3-9. and nine. So actually at one point, I, I probably got, the math doesn't add up there. I got the, we would have been 1-9 and nine at one point and then finished 3-9, two wins. And then in 2007, Carolina won the first game, then proceeded to only win one out of the next eight. So that was another rough time where Carolina had a four-game losing streak. Then we beat Miami in Chapel Hill. So well, again, again, I mean, we talked. We talked during the break, John, before we started recording, and that's the big difference between '06 and '07 was that in '07 we were competitive. Yeah, in a lot of those losses, we weren't competitive in '06. Yeah, and, and that's what I was going to get into. I mean, even even though the team yeah wasn't being competitive in all those games, they, they still pulled together to close it off with, with two wins. And EJ, you obviously played during during those two, and then in 07, 
you know, the team was fighting the entire time, but the results weren't there. So how, how does a team just keep on fighting and keep on trying to pull out of that losing streak and start winning games? Leadership. That's the thing that's going to pull you out of that. It's people coming together and saying, hey, we still have something to fight for. We may not go to a bowl game, but we still can go out here and play our hearts out and still leave, leave it all out on the field. And, and I think that's definitely what happened with us. We had a lot of people that stepped up and became leaders that, that who never otherwise wouldn't be. Tremaine Goddard, for, for instance, he was one of the main people during that season saying that, hey, don't, we don't need to go out here and hang our heads and, and just play with no emotion. We're still out here playing the game that we love at one of the most prestigious places in the country. So we still have a lot to play for. I mean, when, when you, you start off your season, yeah, you have these lofty goals of winning championships and winning bowl games. But at the end of the day, sometimes it doesn't happen for you like that, but you still have to go out there and play. And leadership is the only thing that's going to bring you out of that. I think that to Mike's point, you have to pay attention to the guys that are out there on the field because these people that are out there and these young kids, these freshmen, sophomore people who probably the coaching staff probably didn't plan to have them play as a bigger role in the team as they are this year. These are going to be the guys that two or three years down the road are going to be leaders not only on the team but in the conference and I think in the country because they're getting these valuable reps now. Yeah, this season may not be what we hoped it to be as fans or what they hoped it to be as a team, but it's still it's still going to be a successful season because these guys are getting very important reps. And like Mike said, this season still isn't lost. We've seen it with our own eyes. A Carolina team win their last six games, go on to a bowl game. So I still believe in these guys. Like I'm still – we came on the, uh, the first podcast that we did and we said we wanted to see these guys be tough and they've been tough. They, they have, they really played their hearts out, but it's only so much you can do with the limited staff. So I think that leadership is what's ultimately going to build resiliency. And that's the only thing that's going to pull them out of that. And I do think that they have people on there. I think that Chad Surratt, even though he's a, a red shirt freshman, I think that the guys are behind him. And I think that if, if he steps up and he's being vocal and, he he takes leadership and ownership of, of what's going on there, then I think that they can't turn this thing around. I'll tell you what helps too, EJ, and that's, you know, get getting lucky. You get lucky and you just kind of win a game you shouldn't win. That that kind of turns everything around too. Now we had, obviously, in 06 and 07, we had long droughts of wins and losses, but or long droughts of losses before we found a win, I should say. But in 07, John brought up the Miami game. There was buzz around that because – Butch obviously is the old Miami coach and you know there was still a lot of hype around the team at that point and Miami was loaded I mean they had Leonard Hankerson at receiver they had Calais Campbell defensive end they had they had a lot of big name players on defense they had I believe Brock Berlin was the quarterback maybe I've got that wrong but I mean they, they still you know they were still Miami they still look like Miami they still were athletic like Miami and there was a storyline there with Coach Davis. And I remember we brought in extra bleachers for that game. And, I mean, that the stadium was rocking. And at one point, we were up by, like, I think we were up 21 to nothing at one point on those guys. And they ended up coming back, and we ended up pulling out the win. And that was a game that we probably shouldn't have won because that Miami team was very, very talented. Their record didn't show up, but they were very talented. And that kind of boosted us for the rest of the season. You know, we lost a few games after that, but at, at, that was the kind of game that showed us we can win. Right now, this Carolina team, all they have is an ODU win. Well, you know, ODU, you know, on our worst day, isn't going to beat us. I mean, that's just that's just how it is. You know, the lower the lower tier Division One A teams, the FBS teams, they're your Sun Belt teams, with the exception of Appalachian State. 
you know, and, and those types of conferences, Conference USA, things like that, they're not going to be able to top, you know, an ACC team, even one that's playing very, very poorly. So chalk that win up to that was kind of a tune-up game that, you, you know, and you, you just schedule the ODU level team because of the way the college football playoff works out now. And you don't want to repeat to 2015 with us. But they don't have a signature win. And if they go and they win a game they shouldn't win, well, now they've got juice moving in through the rest of the season. And that will motivate you just by itself. Just that one good memory, that one good Saturday will motivate you for the rest of the season. And it'll, it'll pay dividends for these guys going into the offseason. Because, you know, if, if you've got something to hang your hat on and something to be excited about and proof that you can be successful, then everything seems to get better after that. Certainly helps your improvement. Sorry about that, Mike. Didn't mean to jump in there. Uh, no, go ahead. Done. But what I was going to say is your memory is pretty good, man. Carolina was actually up 27 to zero in that game in Miami. That's what it was. Looking yeah. up here. I mean, Miami had a big third quarter to get it close, but Carolina pulled it off in the end. And we're actually going to take a quick commercial break here, guys. But when we get back, I want to hear your thoughts on how a team can pull themselves out of a losing streak and go on to have as successful a season as possible. And we're back. So you both talked about how, you know, those losing games, the team had to lose before it could learn to win. So how important then was that as a building block moving forward? Because Carolina is almost by necessity getting a lot of young guys, a ton of reps this year. So do you think that this is something that will pay dividends for future Tar Heel teams? Mike, we'll go ahead and start with you since I've been starting with EJ the last two go-arounds. Yeah, well, you've got a roster full of older guys that have experienced pretty much nothing but success at Carolina. If, you know, if they're juniors at this point and they, they didn't redshirt, I mean, they were here for 11-1 and one in the ACC championship game. They were here for, you know, last year, though it was only eight wins, it should have been 10, maybe 11 or 12. And the number two overall pick, Mitch Trubisky, I mean, they were here for that. Then they've been here. They've never they've never known what it's like to not go to a bowl game. I mean, EJ can talk of this. I mean, EJ, you remember how excited we were to go to that first Meineke Car Care Bowl in Charlotte? We didn't care that it was in Charlotte. We didn't care about any of that. We knew we got to play in a bowl, which we hadn't experienced yet. Most of those guys on that team hadn't experienced that, the older guys. The freshmen obviously didn't because we went 3-9 and nine the year before. We knew we got to play Pat White and Steve Slayton. These are two and, a, and a, the vaunted West Virginia football program that just the year before should have played for the national championship if they didn't lose a barn burner to pit in the backyard rivalry. I mean, do you remember how excited we were to go down there to Charlotte for that game? I mean, that's you would have thought these it was guys the national don't, championship game. I mean, my God, these, these guys don't know what it's like to not go to a bowl game. And Frank, I mean, you hate to say it, but honestly, they might need to learn and mm. and fans will say well what about you know Alabama and Clemson and those kids they don't they don't know what it's like to knock out a bowl game and they're winning just fine well that that works for them but what I know personally what I know what works for me what worked for my teammates was have a goal experience some serious hardship which is not going to a bowl game right not winning the minimum six games you didn't lo- you didn't win 50 percent of your games Right. And not be and not have that reward of going to a bowl game. And then a year later, you get that experience. And then once you get a taste of it, it continues. And it has continued every year at this school since 2000 and 2008. 
We've been to a bowl game every year since 08, with the exception of the postseason ban, which we wish that year we would have played for the ACC championship, right? And God knows what bowl game we would have gone to that year. So just go ahead and chalk it up to we've had almost 10 years straight of bowl games, whereas before, from 07 back to, I mean, John, correct me, 07, we, we went to the Continental 04. Tire Bowl, which was then the Meineke Bowl, now the Belk Bowl in 04, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And yep. between, between 08 and 2001, we went to one bowl game. And the and the only bowl game before the Continental Tire Bowl was the, the Peach Bowl victory. And even and let's be honest, that team was loaded with NFL talent. That Julius Peppers Peach Bowl team, Ronald Curry. How many games did they win that year? Eight. Did they finished the year with they finished the year with eight wins. They had to win the Peach Bowl for eight wins. Yep. I mean, so listen, we have a recent stretch of unprecedented success here with the exception of your choo-choo justice finishing, you know, those teams finishing top five every single year back in World War II, okay, in that era. We've had an unprecedented string of success, and all of that was the catalyst for that was two really, 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 really bad seasons. But one season, the four and eight year, where we knew we were competitive and we could play with anybody, we just hadn't figured it out yet, that one missing piece. We figured that out in the offseason, went to a bowl game, and we've never looked back until – this year and we still don't know if we're not going to go a bowl this year so that's what that's what will get you through win a couple games you're not supposed to win right but maybe sometimes you need to lose to have some appreciation for winning ej what you got to add man i'll just keep it short and sweet when talking about it it, do i think there's going to pay dividends in the future my prime example really is garrett reynolds so garrett reynolds as a freshman was thrown into the fire against the oh my god elvis doomerville saw it on tv Elvis Doomerville got three consecutive sacks on Garrett Reynolds as a, as a true freshman who got thrown into the fire because of an injury. And you we lost forward, that game. Didn't we lose that game like 70-something to 60, something? 63-7, to seven, I want to say. Yeah. 60, it was, it was, it was bad. It was bad. <laughs> so, And then you fast forward to his senior year, he's considered one of the best linemen in the country. Like, it, without without him having that that humbling his very first experience in college football and having to go through those struggles and those growing pains and having his learning curve shrink like that like shrink so much in his first year it paid dividends because Garrett's a great player and he's one of my best friends but who's we don't know if he would have became the great lineman that he was if he wasn't thrown in the fire like that because of injuries or playing before the coaches really had him really wanted him to be out there so I've seen it with my own eyes. I, I know that it's going to pay dividends in the long run. And Garrett, who had a seven, eight-year NFL career, still calls on that. You remember at the tailgate we had, so the mm-hmm. fans, anybody who stopped by and saw us, we had that big tailgate that actually Garrett helped put on before the Cal game. Garrett still references that Elvis Doomerville game, that Louisville game in, in 05. You know, so, you know, and that's just an example. I mean, I don't, I'm not calling Garrett out or anything, but, you know, guys can, when you have an experience like that, if you know how to turn it into something constructive, right? Some guys go in the tank, that ruins their career. Some guys like Garrett use that to, for their advantage, to their advantage and turn it into, you know, fuel to better themselves as players. And obviously there's payoff at the end for that. If you're able to, if you're one of those people, if you're able to spin it that way for yourself. And that Louisville game was 69 to 14. Hmm. So, uh, oof, ouch. All right, guys, let's go ahead and start wrapping this one up because Mike, being a big-time attorney now, I know you got to <laughs> get here pretty soon. So just, to be like you. Oh, man. 
and you, you don't want to be like me, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so in the next two or three minutes here, with the Virginia game coming up, EJ, going to go back to you for this one, then Mike can close us out. What do you think the team needs to do? If you could just give the team one line, how to get that win on Saturday, because Virginia is actually favored in Chapel Hill, which just blows my mind. But what would you tell the team? Play their brand of football. Play the type of game that they played for the majority of the game against Duke. If that team shows up to the, to the stadium Saturday, which I think it will, I think they will bounce back, and I think everything else will take care of itself. Take care of the ball on offense. Take the ball away on defense. It's as simple as it gets, and I just think if they pay, play their brand of football, I think they'll be successful. All right, Mike, you got the final word. Take us home. Yeah, control what you can control. The only thing that you have control over is your attitude and how you respond to negative situations, how you respond to adversity. So they've had a rough few weeks. They've had a rough season so far. You know, it, the only thing they can control is whether or not they listen to the media, which will tell them that they're terrible. And from an offensive line standpoint, we can't block anybody, which I think is preposterous. Go turn on the film. It looks a whole lot better than everybody think it, thinks it does. You know, and, and you can control your effort when you roll out there. If you want to win, you'll find a way to win. And even if the final score ends up with us having left less points, you can control the way you approach the game and whether or not you got better and put something on film that's worth writing home about. That's the only thing you can control. So for those guys going out there this weekend, control what you can control. Don't worry about all the other stuff, and things will turn out the way you want them to, if not this week, eventually. But uh, we got a lot more positive than, than negative, I think, from this season. I know it's hard to see right now, but, but it's, it's, it's certainly there. I see it. Great conversation as always, guys. That'll be it for this one. Thanks again, EJ. Thanks, Mike. Until next time. Thanks, John. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.